0: From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio. Fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear
1: Radio. If you kill eight people with an AR... It gets wall-to-wall international media coverage. If you kill eight people with an SUV, the story quickly disappears. Why? More than 97% of all murders do not involve a rifle. Yet murders with rifles generate massive attention, even though handguns, knives, even fists are used in significantly more murders. That's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek, Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association, and I'm joined by Lee Williams, Chief Editor of the Second Amendment Foundation's Investigative Journalism Project and Board Member of Florida Carry. Hi, Lee. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. Good to be here. So, Lee, it's been a little while since you've been on the podcast, and since then, Permitless Carry was passed and the Sunshine State, signed by Governor DeSantis, and in a couple weeks, it takes effect on July 1st. How's that going over down there? You know, has the uh, predicted apocalypse broken out yet? Are people in a panic? Are the roads jammed with people fleeing the impending mayhem?
0: No, but I'm sure squeegee sales are going through the roof, you know, because the roads are going to be covered and running red with blood. (laughs) Florida, right now, we have a concealed weapon or firearm license. Uh, It's not full-blown, unfortunately, constitutional carry because there is no provision to open carry. Open carry is still banned in Florida, except for a few, few uh, instances, like if you're hunting, camping, fishing, going to and from the range, you can open carry. But other than that, we're still banned. That's because our Senate president Um, Doesn't know anything about guns. And she asked our uh, Florida Sheriff's Association all about open carry, and they told her no. So, therefore, we won't have it this year. Uh, The new law takes effect July 1st. Uh, I'm sure you and your uh, members can figure out what our number one goal for the next legislative session is going to be. And we are going to, and that's a commitment from every gun group here. Uh, I'm on the board of Florida Carry. We're committed to open carry. So is GOA, FPC, NRA, Nagger. you name it. We are working toward open carry next session because we feel kind of ripped off without having it. Uh, I mean, Governor DeSantis, God bless him. I still think he's a great governor, but he said he would sign a constitutional carry bill. He did not. He signed an unlicensed carry bill. Uh, for some folks, that might seem like we're splitting hairs, but we want honest to Pete constitutional carry um the media is right now i'm sure uh as you can imagine what you went through they're full of horror stories about how bad things are going to be july 1st and you know the rivers and the streets will look like rivers of blood and uh, you know uh, what we're telling people obviously is completely different we want them to know that you know those standards to carry a a concealed firearm are the same as those to get a CWFL or purchase a firearm. It's you know got to be law abiding and we are highly recommending that new carriers get some professional training first. And from what I'm hearing from my friends who are instructors, um they're pretty booked. I mean as in I couldn't even get into a uh, uh, my buddy's class cuz he usually caps it at 10. He had 15. Um just doesn't matter. Uh we're, we're getting a lot of folks out there right now that are got a hell of a lot of interest in it. And we're, we're pretty happy about that. So overall it's good, but we're going to work toward a uh,
1: full blown constitutional carry. Well, I guess we were kind of lucky because we've always had open carry. It was just never in the statute, you know, it never said anything about open carry. So by default, it's always been legal. And that was one of the advantages we went into it and because we could say, look, you can open carry without any license here at all, regardless of the licensing for concealed carry. So I think you're going to kind of have to go, go out at it the opposite way. You're, you know, you're starting out with the unlicensed concealed carry, and now you're going to have to get unlicensed open carry. Is that specifically banned in Florida? Yeah,
0: it is. It is in state law. State law prohibits open carry with a few exceptions that I mentioned earlier. Um, I've never heard a good rationale. I've heard Disney and beaches mentioned, but and tourism. Uh, but to me, none of that matters. Uh, we're talking a constitutional right here. Uh, Disney and beaches and
1: tourists should not impact my constitutional right. Well, when when was that passed? Because again, in Ohio, it was just never in the law at all. Do you do you have any idea? It's it's been
0: decades. It was way before I started writing about guns fifteen years ago.
1: Well, I'm sure everything's going to be okay. You know, we've, we have dealt with the same thing going back 20 years when we were passing concealed carry. People were talking about, you know, the shootouts and blood in the street and all that. Yeah. And we see it with every single bill we pass. And, of course, it never happens, but nobody ever learns from that. And so when we passed permitless carry, and, and now people can carry either openly or concealed without a license, and you still have to meet the same qualifications, a lot of people— Consider that that not constitutional carry, because you know they really wanted if you can if you can own a gun, you can carry a gun. but that's the way it passed here. It sounds like your law is similar. You have to meet the same standards, right? right you're just, You're just not going through the licensing process. So uh, yeah, we've we faced the same thing and, and I don't understand why people never learn.
0: I just look forward to the day and I can when I can leave my front door and drive to Columbus, Ohio. And Terry concealed the entire way and end up eating breakfast at North Star, which is still my favorite restaurant in Columbus for breakfast.
1: Oh and yeah, well, that's just down the street from us. so that that's a, that's a pretty nice place. They have great sandwiches, a little little yeah. pricey, but uh, but it's a a nice place. Well, Lee, I really wanted to talk about mass murder. Uh, okay. that's, and I figured you were the guy to have on. You wrote an article about this. This is a gruesome topic, obviously, but it's in the media all the time. And last month, you wrote about this incident in Brownsville, Texas. And I'm wondering if our listeners even remember it. Right before the podcast, I was telling you that I had to kind of rack my brain to see if I even remembered reading about it. I probably did, but I don't specifically remember it because I just kind of think it came and went in the news. Can you describe what happened?
0: Sure. It was a Sunday morning at 8.30, and there were a a large group of people waiting at the bus stop in Brownsville, Texas, next to uh, the Osmond Center, uh, which provides free care for the city's uh, migrant community and homeless folks. Uh, All of a sudden, a Land Rover blew through the group at a high rate of speed that's been estimated between 60 and 70 miles an hour, which, having some familiarity with high-speed vehicular death, that's going to be cataclysmic that,
1: that that's that's gives me the creeps that that's yeah. that is really really nasty and people were from what i read they were just like sitting on the curb
0: yeah uh 18 people were hit six died instantly two died later uh police arrested a 34 year old guy named george alvarez he was uncooperative at the scene he gave him fake names um, he right now he's facing, unless they've added a few more counts in the last month, he's facing eight counts of manslaughter and 10 counts of ag assault with a weapon, which would be the Range Rover. Uh, I hope they get more charges coming. Uh, and you got some, you know, Brownsville's, those those officers, They've 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 seen the elephant down there. And a few of them said it was the worst thing they had ever seen in their career. Well, like three, four days later, uh, the thing was damn near all gone uh, from newscasts and web and legacy media websites. And you know, there were it was shocking at what didn't happen. There were no protests, no marches, nobody calling to, to boycott Range Rover. Nobody from the White House went down there. Uh, and all of this is because this masked
1: murder didn't fit the media narrative and that that really is is what it's all about because the media yeah. have templates you know i've worked in media so i know that they just naturally have templates i mean look if you have a storm right you have a hurricane there's a template for that story
0: pull right? it out you get it ready
1: yeah you you got to you got to send a reporter you put him in a in a raincoat you, you stand him outside and he's going to talk about every leaf that lands on the ground right uh there, there's a there's a a certain way they're going to report that. There's a certain way they report shootings. And they I don't think they knew what to make of this story with the Land Rover because, yeah, it was gruesome. But what was it? Was this a Hispanic guy?
0: Yeah, who, last name of Alvarez.
1: And he was drunk. So, I mean, was it on purpose? Was it not on purpose? Did he have a motive? I read that, you know, he was shouting. I think it was Venezuelans who were waiting there, and he was shouting, you know, uh, you know, racist slurs at them or something like that. So I think the media couldn't figure it out. It did not fit their template. And no. so they, they just was like, well, we're not sure how to report on this. So we're just not, we're going to move on.
0: And they did. And they absolutely did. I mean, uh, when's, I, I'm guessing that half, half of your uh, members can't even recall the thing because it was just in the news for a couple of days.
1: And this kind of, uh, leads into the other part of this that I want to talk about, and and this is a difficult topic to discuss. But how you know race and ethnicity plays into how these stories are reported. And you said in your article that you believe that black lives really just don't matter to the legacy media. White victims always get more coverage, and frankly, white shooters generate more coverage than black, Asian, or Hispanic shooters. And I've seen the same thing. What do you think is really going on with that? I, I think they're so
0: biased. And the one of the key phrases that I pointed out in the story is they don't have to. They don't have to cover anything. Nobody's going to get canceled, look, or called on the carpet for stuff they don't cover. Uh, But, yeah, there's a huge this this is reverse racism and we see it all the time, especially in Chicago, especially in my hometown of Minneapolis, especially in these large, major urban centers that have been historically controlled by by Democrats. I mean, uh, to date, there have been 254 people shot and killed in Chicago. And more than a thousand people shot and wounded. Uh, nobody's covering that because of their race. They, you know, and, and that's reverse racism. That is the worst thing the media can do. That makes damn sure that nobody's going to be forced into doing anything about it, and they can continue electing terrible leaders like uh, Lightfoot and then the guy that replaced her. That's even more to the left.
1: Well, and it's not just shootings, uh, Lee. I know that. You know, if if a black person goes missing, the media doesn't yeah. spend a whole lot of time on that, but if a white person goes missing, especially a white woman, it's wall-to-wall coverage. Sometimes it generates books, movies, miniseries. There's even a term I've heard for it. It's called missing white woman syndrome. It's how the yeah. media is really interested if a if a white woman, especially a white blonde woman, goes missing, and it's just all over the news, but... They they don't really seem to care. I think the I think people in the media would be shocked to be accused of racism. Where it's like, well, yeah, the, you know, thirty people in Chicago or Philadelphia or uh, you know some other city died this weekend, but yeah, that was you know that we don't care about those people.
0: No, right. I worked in uh, in South Dakota in Sioux Falls. Uh, And I did a lot of civil rights coverage. There are nine reservations in the state. And I wrote a lot of civil rights stories about how the Lakota community out there is impacted. And uh, Lakota women would go missing and I would write a story. No one else would uh, because it was exactly what you're talking about. They were they were native. They were Lakota. They weren't uh, white women. So just, you know, there's a lot of a lot of that
1: inherently built into our media. Do, do you think that that's the media, the people working in the media themselves, or is that the consumers of the media? In other words, if if it's like a paper like the New York Times, is it the reporters at the Times who have that problem? Or do they just kind of realize over time that, well, you know, our readers aren't interested in that. So that's not what we're going to report. Now
0: Nowadays, that's exactly the case. Back when I was there, which would have been in the early 2000s. There was still, we still had some good editors that uh, would give the readers the spoonful of medicine they needed, whether they responded and liked it or not. Nowadays, it's all about clicks and hits. So if they're not getting clicks and hits, they're going to move on to something else. If somebody of color disappears, uh, they're not going to, and it's not, it's not performing. They they talk about stories performing well online. If it's not performing well, they're just going to, they're not going to cover it. They certainly wouldn't do it twice.
1: Seems to me that there used to be more coverage of, you know, this sort of stuff that would happen in cities like in Chicago. I seem to remember, you know, watching the news, and if there were a particularly deadly weekend, that would get national coverage. I don't see a lot of that anymore. I think locally those stories get covered because that's what local news, especially in you know, like TV stations, that's what they do. But yeah. it doesn't seem to migrate up to the national media or the international media, the way that other stories do.
0: No, it it, it used to. And I, I remember seeing and reading and watching those stories as well. But I think everybody's just pretty much given up. But you have to look at who's controlling these cities. What's their political party? What aren't they doing? And then you look at the political affiliations of the media themselves. They don't want to make the Lori Lightfoot's of this world look bad because she's of the same party. And brother, that is what it's all about.
1: And then there's this issue of weapons, and you know this is part of this whole template of how stories are, are reported. I, we've all known, you know, pretty much forever that the preferred weapon of criminals is handguns. They're yeah. small, they're light, they're portable. You can stick them in a pocket, stick them in your waistband, whatever. Uh, it's not rifles, but rifles. That's that's the story, right? If an AR or an AK is used in a mass murder. The media go berserk on the coverage, but not other weapons, not handguns, not knives. If somebody goes around with a hammer, that might be an interesting story, but that isn't going to get that kind of coverage. Now, you were looking at FBI statistics, and I think the last year that uh, data is available still is 2019. Yeah. So I, I went to the original source just to, to double-check all of this. And if you look at the weapons used to commit murder— we're not talking about accidents. Uh, we're not talking about self-defense. We're talking about murder, people going out and killing other people. And out of 13,927 murders in 2019, those that involved the rifle were only 364. That's 2.6%. So what about handguns? Handguns was almost 46%, 6,000. 368. Knives, interestingly, were used in over 10%, 1,476. Hands, fists, and feet, in other words, just beaten on a guy and they die, that accounted for 600 murders in 2019. That's over 4%. So, let's you know look at those stats. That means that four times as many murders are committed with a knife than a rifle, four times as many.
0: And it's important, it's important to point out that the FBI does not maintain a separate data set for quote unquote assault weapons. Rifles are all all of them, even those that would not qualify under the assault rifle definition. A Ruger 1022, a bolt action, a pump action rifle, a single shot rifle. It's not just quote unquote assault weapons.
1: Right. Exactly. I mean it could it could have been a you know a twenty two. Yeah, You know, a kid's 22, whatever. If you look at hands, fists, and feet, people usually smile when you, know, when you say that. But, you know, what the FBI means is it's just one guy beating on another guy. Twice as many people were murdered just with hands, fists, and feet than with rifles. Handguns right. were used in 17 times as many murders as rifles. Now, Lee... Let's reverse the stats on that. That means that 97.4% of all murders are not with a rifle. Right. 97.4%. Right. But nationally and internationally, stories are all about the rifles, all about rifle right. murders, not about handguns, fists, knives, or anything else. And I would just ask you let me throw a story at you. Las Vegas, last year, do you remember that the mass stabbing? In Las yeah. Vegas, just off the top of your head yeah. where a guy stabbed eight people. I'll bet a lot of our listeners don't even remember that happened. no, no, and we
0: see that in other countries too it's not the it's not the tool it's the it's the madman that's bearing the weapon
1: well, it's the tool as far as the media is concerned oh no, it's all about and, it. yeah and as far as the you know the activists are concerned, and there are of course reasons for that, uh, Lee, because I think that they know. The activists know that, you know, the idea of banning handguns, that used to be a thing decades ago, but, you know, nobody's buying that because that's the kind of gun that most people have, so they're not going to ban that. You know, not, we're not banning bows and arrows. We're not banning knives. We're not banning, you know, hammers or SUVs, uh, which obviously is a lot more powerful than an AR because with that story down in Texas, you know, the the, the guy killed eight people really fast. Yeah. With that SUV, but we're not you talking about any of that. It's only rifles, even though that they're not used in 97% of all murders. That's a huge point. Huge point. And, and it shows you the
0: inherent media bias. I was only a policeman for 10 years. I never saw anybody killed with a rifle. A lot of handguns, uh, the occasional cast iron frying pan, uh, a leg off a piano stool. Uh, but, yeah, nobody, never, never took a rifle away, never found one at a crime scene. Yeah, we, All we had to
1: ban the, the pans, really, yeah. cast iron <laughs> No, pans, I actually that's.
0: love my cast iron, brother. Don't even go there, <laughs>
1: jokingly. <laughs> but, then, you know, it's not just the media. I know that the media has, they have the storylines, they have their biases. But the activists know, this is where I was going with this, they know that they need a narrative to get yeah. people upset. So it doesn't matter. I mean, you were a cop. Right, So if you were charged with, you know, Lee, our city has a big murder problem, uh, go go reduce the number of murders. Would you go after the, the, the types of murders that resulted from, you know, like the least number? Would you go after the rifle murders when it was only like, no. you know, uh, uh, 2% of, of all the murders? Or, or would no, you go after we something after, bigger?
0: We went after the gang members uh, and we went after their, their handguns. Uh, a quick aside, I once arrested a gang member and took a, a Browning high power off of him that had Nazi proof marks. So it had been made in Belgium uh, after the Germans invaded the country and took it over. I mean, do you know how rare that is? Do you know how much money that, <laughs> that pistol would be worth? And it was he acquired it the same way gang members acquire all their uh, armament. He stole it
1: yeah well here in, in Ohio in columbus ohio uh the you know I've been reading stories recently, and uh one of the uh, uh police chiefs said you know that their criminals are mostly getting their guns illegally not not that that was a big revelation, but you know obviously <laughs> that happens, and the city's wanting to you know ban certain kinds of guns and and you know uh ammo uh uh, magazines, and they want to have waiting periods and, and all this other kind of stuff, what's that going to do for the gang members? They even did a study. We've talked about that back from 2020, and the study showed that they could identify who was involved in most of the murders. There were like 17 gangs and 480 specific individuals involved in about half of all the murders. And they know where it's happening, who's doing it, and everything else but they still are focused on the people with guns who are not committing those murders. And so you know, you got to you got to wonder what what are they up to? What why are they doing that?
0: Well, I mean, look at Biden's uh recent uh executive orders that he's issued on the firearms. The one that comes to mind is he he set it forth a couple a couple of months ago. It's like 13 or 20 pages. Not a single word in there about what you're talking about. Not a single word in there in how they're going to get guns out of the hands of bad guys. All about making it more difficult for the law abiding to to obtain to legally obtain a firearm, which is silly because, as we all know, the, the, the gang members, the criminals, they're not going to go into a gun store and turn over their DL and submit to a background check because they know they're not going to pass it. They've got buku felony convictions on there. They're going to steal them. Uh, I I think, again, we may be looking at some reverse racism, uh, and and they definitely don't want to unleash the cops. I mean, in Chicago, there are 100,000 identified gang members. The cops there know who they are. They know where they live, They know where they hang their hat. uh, But they can't go after them because of the mayor's office. They've got the reins pulled back real tight. If you really want to do something about violence in these big cities, unleash the cops. It's not going to be pretty for a little while but it'll be effective as hell because they're they're sick of the murders too.
1: Well, and then there's this whole idea of, uh, and you've reported a lot on this, what the definition of a mass murder is. And this is where we have a lot of propaganda going on as well. You've reported on this outfit called the Gun Violence Archive, which I told you really ought to be called the Gun Violence Propaganda Center. And their whole purpose is inflating the numbers of mass murders. For media consumption they they sort of created their own definition of mass shooting the fbi traditionally has defined it as four people killed you know when someone goes out and purposely tries to you know randomly shoot people you know all in all in one incident
0: fbi also you know won't won't look at it won't qualify it won't qualify under the fbi's definition if it's gang related narcotics related right interfamiliar i mean they they have a really good definition
1: and and that's what we generally think of as a mass shooting or or a mass murder we're not thinking of gang violence we're not thinking yeah. of you know a drive by or a robbery where where people just happen to get shot but this um, the gun violence archive they created a definition and it's four or more people shot whether they're killed or not just if you get a boo boo on your ankle you're you're considered as one of the victims, and the F. So in 2019, the FBI reported 30 mass shootings. The Gun Violence Archive reported 417. Yeah. That's a huge difference, Lee. And What so, number do you think the
0: media ran with?
1: Right. Well, sure, because they want drama. Yeah. It, it's all part of the, you know, storyline, the template, and they they want those great headlines. Because they want people to buy the newspapers. They want people to click. You know, they want the likes. You know, they want they want the uh, viral effects of a story, just like anybody I, else. I
0: would add in there, they, they want gun control. I mean, I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of journalists. Five of them were conservative. I would call libertarian or republican. And two of them own firearms. These folks, most 99.9% of journalists support more gun control. They think guns are evil. Uh, they don't want them. So th- their story is a little overly inflated, is not factual. Uh, that's fine, as long as it's anti-gun for them.
1: This uh, organization, the, the GVA, the Gun Violence Archive, I mean, do you? They, they claim to be non-partisan, non-political. Do you think that it was formed specifically for propaganda?
0: I think it was formed so they could... Bolster the anti-gun movement. I've interviewed the the founder. He's the current executive director. Um, He has written in his writings and in his statements and in his editorials. He's extremely anti-gun. Um, I mean, one of these guys that, you know, said you don't need 30-round mags. He's called for magazine limits. Um, he's, yeah, about as anti-gun as you can get. They're taking money from anti-gun organizations. Um, they wanted, they weren't happy with FBI saying, hey, there's only been 30. They want, I think it was uh, the the synchronicity of the timing uh, when the Gun Violence Archive was founded and the, the gun control movement. It was just a perfect storm for gun control when they all came together. I mean, why don't they – I'm not going to be surprised if they even change their definition to be more inclusive. Now it's three people wounded. Uh, It's four right now, but I I see in the future it'll it'll become three people wounded to make it a mass
1: shooting. And it's effective for propaganda because, you know, I've seen stories about people in other countries not wanting to come to the United States because they – you know, all of this propagates into their – media, which is, you know, just as biased. And they're basically being told, don't go to the United States because, you know, you're you're going to get killed. It's, it's just a shooting gallery here.
0: Well, and we caught Joe Biden's speech, one of Joe Biden's speechwriters, including Gun Violence Archive, quote unquote, data into one of Biden's most recent gun control speeches. So that's how high this crap has gone up the and Jam, I just did a story. The Journal of the American Medical Association. Four or five egghead doctors got together and did some bogus anti-gun research. I uh, that too was propaganda, and they used GVA data. So it's it's making the rounds. The best thing you can do is get the word out that this is propaganda. This is not data.
1: Now you referenced Chicago a little bit ago, and you uh, gave a link. In the article that you wrote, and it, it links to a, a, a website called "Hey Jackass," and it's it's a kind of a gruesome website, but it's also kind of funny because they deal with crime stats, violent crime in Chicago, and it's kind of uh, you know snarky and smart aleck, but they track how many people are shot. They they track where they're shot on a map, and you can see that it's very concentrated in certain areas. They even do things like they they cover shot placement. Where are people shot? You know, in the head, arms, torso, lower body. Uh, police involved shootings, armed carjackings. I got to say, uh, Lee, they're very thorough. They even track how many people shoot themselves, or yeah. how many people are shot in the butt, or how many people get shot in the junk, uh, which is the most polite way that I can I can put that. You know,
0: <laughs> they, they
1: certainly have an attitude about it. Uh, But, you know, there are a lot of stats, and they they do seem to be following this. As of yesterday, your article was written last month. I looked up the most recent stats. In Chicago, as of yesterday, 1,272 people have been shot, 254 killed, 1,018 shot and wounded. Total homicides, 276, and according to their math, Someone is murdered in Chicago every 14 hours. So we were talking about how a lot of the, you know, most of that's, uh, you know, gangs. It involves drugs. It's about crime. How many of those stories went national? How much reporting is dedicated to those 254 dead Chicagoans, Lee?
0: Yeah. And look at the data source that you just described, this private website. You won't find this breakdown on a police on a Chicago PD website or the city of Chicago who should be tracking this. The reason is, is they all use this site uh, privately and they just don't talk about it. This data should be out there for every single Chicago and it should be right on the front page, the landing page of the PD's website. Uh, and definitely city, the cities. But, you know, th- this makes them look even worse. Chicago, I've given up on. I used to, I used to love going to Chicago. For a weekend great food great times not
1: anymore while well, we're having the same thing here in columbus ohio you know we're not generally viewed as a, a giant metropolitan area uh, although columbus is the 15th largest city in the country we're having similar problems here at a different scale and there's a an area called the short north and there's currently a curfew they they, they want to clear the streets because you know they don't want the uh, and it's mostly young men who are causing problems, and there's a lot of debate about whether they should have this curfew. You know, they want the food trucks and stores and everything shut up so that they they can try to curb violence in that area. But again, they've they've done the studies, they know who's doing it, they know where the problems are happening, and yet they're wanting to pass laws, and they've been they they have managed to pass a couple of a couple of three laws which is in litigation at the moment, but they've talked a lot about, you know, many other things, and none of it's going to do any good because, again, the police have admitted they know who's committing the crime, they know that the guns are owned illegally, and, uh, you know, what good is it going to do to to ban a, a gun that I have because I'm not the one who's going to go to the short north and, and shoot the place up?
0: No and and you're the one who may have to submit to a 14-day waiting period in the near future or you know, double secret background checks and and you're not the guy pulling the triggers
1: and the, and the reality is Lee the overwhelming number of murders are committed by criminals and gang members they're very concentrated in large urban centers it's with handguns it's related to criminal activity even looking at this map on this website they're pretty concentrated most of chicago they There aren't murders. It it, it tends to be in particular areas. You know, here in Columbus, same thing. Most places are are pretty safe. Where I live, you know, if I had kids, I wouldn't have any problem with them being out after dark because nothing bad is likely to happen to them. But there are certain areas where I wouldn't want them to go in Columbus. But, you know, the media really doesn't want to deal with the facts. They don't want to deal with context because both the media... And the anti gun activists, uh, they don't want people to realize that most of us are safe most of the time. They want you to believe that you're in danger all the time, that murders uh, are random, that anyone could be murdered anywhere, anytime. Therefore, since theoretically we have no clue what's going on, we have to ban those rifles, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll turn over
0: the ones in my safe, ma'am.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I and I think there is an awful lot of racism. R- racism from different angles. Racism, mm-hmm. as in we just don't care as a society. You know who's getting murdered. Uh, we don't care who's committing the murders. And if you try to ask questions or talk about it, you're you're labeled a racist because how yeah. dare you say something like that.
0: My last newspaper was owned by Gannett and uh, was purchased by Gannett while I was there. It was owned by another company until Gannett bought us. And we immediately had to stop referring to race when describing a suspect who was at large and had uh, committed a serious crime. So you couldn't say whether he was black, white, brown, or Asian, or whatever. You would just say a twenty uh, male in his 20s because that didn't, you know, that could be... Deleterious to a certain group of folks.
1: Well, you you certainly, they certainly have headlines with race in it where you have a policeman who happens to, you know, shoot a criminal who, you know, tried to take their gun or tried to run them down or whatever. Or if you have a white person shooting a black person, that's certainly in the headline virtually all the time. So race plays into it under certain circumstances, but not all the time. And personally, I, I don't think it matters. You know, what the race is, it's, you know, if we know who's committing crimes, go after the people committing crimes because we don't want people to get hurt. Right. Right. I mean, I I think that's the fair thing. None of us want people to get hurt. And ignoring the facts just means that more people will get hurt because we're not dealing with what the problem really is.
0: Right. They would rather have people get hurt than say something in a story like, the majority of the shootings are in the black community or in the Hispanic community and not the white community. That's it. Bottom line, they would, they'll never make a statement like that. And therefore these communities that are suffering these highest crime levels in these cities aren't getting help because they're not getting attention. Public leaders, the city commissioners are not being forced to do something about the shootings in their own communities.
1: And the people in these communities, and I've seen, Interviews and statistics. They want more police. Oh God, yes. They're they're I the think. one who are suffering, and they're not saying defund the police. They're saying we want more policing. We want you to to deal with the crime problem because we're the ones who have to face it. Not, you know, the rich liberal activist in a gated community somewhere.
0: Right. Right. No, I did a story of the Wilmington, Delaware public housing, where they uh, didn't allow firearms if you had a firearm in the public housing you would be evicted uh nra reddit came in sued spent about 3 million dollars on the lawsuit and right now the residents can they have their second amendment rights i'll never forget i interviewed this 90 year old woman trapped in her home by crime had a little crappy 25 Uh, That's all she could afford, but she used it to protect her two sewing machines. She probably had about 2,500 in sewing machines. She was a seamstress. That was how she made enough money to get by off her social security. Tell me they wouldn't want cops in there, armed, trained professional officers. Yeah, they would have loved it. But in the meantime, that's how they took care of themselves. They weren't committing crimes, these old folks in these public housing. They needed it to keep the bad guys away.
1: So, Lee, you know, I've been thinking about this whole uh, you know, gun control thing for a long time and trying to figure out what the real motives are behind it because when we look at the facts, we can see that none of this really makes a lot of sense. They're not going after the people committing crimes. They're wanting to pass laws that's going to affect people who aren't committing crimes. What is it, in your opinion? I mean, there's there's the fear of guns, you know, what's called hoplophobia. One of our volunteers was sitting in a hearing once and there was a mom with a kid And, you know, our guy happened to have a magazine because sometimes you have to sit there for a while. And the magazine had a picture of a, you know, a firearm on the cover. And the woman asked him to put it away because she said it's scaring her child. You know, so they're afraid of a picture of a gun. I think part of it's cultural, just, you know, those deplorable hicks and the MAGA extremists with their ARs. You know, they just don't like us. I think there's an awful lot of ignorance. I think a lot of it's political But what do you think? What's really, like big picture, what's driving the gun control movement?
0: Uh, I'll give you two answers. One is what's driving them now and then what's been driving them for the past 20 years. Now we're seeing a huge, huge increase in what I like to call post-Bruin tantrum laws where all these blue cities and blue states are passing laws they know are unconstitutional because of Bruin, because Bruin pissed them off so bad. The Supreme Court decision that said, yeah, you know, second amendment is no longer a second class, right? Uh, You can't ban guns in common usage. And an individual has a right to carry a firearm outside their home for, for defensive purposes that pissed them off. We're seeing pushback in all these states. Well, I started looking at some of these ordinances that are being proposed and these laws, a lot of similar language, Dean, they're uh, all being organized out of the White House, no doubt in my mind. I'm sure Susan Rice was running that until she she stepped down and is yet to take a job. Um, but that was all being organized there. Post-Bruin tantrum laws. Feel free to use that. Overall, yeah, I I mean I grew up in the Midwest. I'm a Midwestern boy. Got I was from northern minnesota guns were a tool i read guns and ammo I had subscriptions to probably five or six different gun magazines to me they've always been nothing but a tool used them in the military used them as law enforcement trained them used them uh throughout my time as a journalist because i i was an investigative reporter and i tended to piss people off and i would would get more than my share of death threats um i think the biggest reason it, why they want to take them away, they being Giffords and the moms demanding attention and all these other groups. Uh, uh, they're doing it for political reasons because it's all about control and armed populace. And and we're seeing that now with this damn pistol brace. I, I mean, they're they're looking at turning 40 million Americans into felons overnight. Um, there's a definition of any law that does that. I mean, it's called tyranny. So they don't care about their people. They just want them disarmed. I've, I've always said their goal is total civilian disarmament. Uh, they're not going to stop at the pistol braces. They're not, they didn't stop after bump stock. They're not going to stop. They want all semi-autos. And then once they get all the semi-autos and I, I don't care if it's a Ruger 1022, they're going to go after all firearms because, a uh, and I hate to have to say this, but an unarmed populace is docile and can, then they can do whatever they want. And that is what the Democrats are doing. The bigger question is, why do they want a docile populace? What are they going to do to us? What do they have planned when they've got all of our guns?
1: I don't understand the pistol brace thing. I I have not. Maybe you have. Have you seen articles where criminals are using pistol braces? we've uh, had two two or three mass shootings where they used a braced pistol.
0: So which of course means oh my god it's crazy it's out of control so we got to ban all
1: of them. That's kind of like the bump stocks because yeah. you know we had the one incident in Las Vegas where it's even questionable now cuz they wouldn't release a lot of the information. We still don't know how many bump stocks were used because the guy had you know a lot of rifles bump stocks were on several of them but did they actually work? Was that what happened? It was very confusing. Well,
0: it's, it's typical ATF being weaponized. Um, and that happened under Trump, but now it's been kicked into high gear uh under Biden. You know, they they said bump stocks were legal. There's I have copies of two findings letters that bumps or I'm sorry, pistol braces. Pistol braces were, were totally legal, and guys have used them for 10 years. Biden gets elected. It's on his hit list. They changed their mind. That is, I put that in, in ATF on ATF, you know, more than anything else, but it shows you the depths they'll go to. I mean, man, you know, you're a good guy. So it's, and I like to think I am too. It's hard to understand passing a law that's going to turn law abiding Americans into felons. And this wasn't even a law. I mean, this is an ATF rule that they just made up on their own. That's done all this. It, uh, that to me says everything you want to know about the gun control movement and the gun ban industry.
1: Well, I think they're just Lee. I, I think what they're really doing is they go after things that people don't understand. It's like you said, yeah. banning semi-autos. Yeah. Well, if you ban semi-autos, what are you left with? Pump shotguns and revolvers. Bold I guess. Actions. Yeah, uh, because semi-auto, I guess, for a lot of people means machine guns, which that they is they want not to turn us into is.
0: Canada. They want to turn us into Canada. Uh, and uh, the big question to me is why do you want the populace disarmed what are you planning on doing to us once we're disarmed
1: right well he, i'm not sure we've solved all of these problems you we know, had fun it, doing it it's been it's been a good conversation and we do have to yeah. watch out for a lot of this because it's propaganda the media yeah. does have a narrative they have stock stories that they just want to keep report repeating so when we see that, we need to to see it for what it really is. Lee, thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. Where can people read your original reporting? Everything
0: I do, and I I I, I wear a lot of hats, but everything I do is posted at thegunwriter.substack.com. That's thegunwriter.substack.com.
1: Thanks again, and we'll talk to you again soon. My pleasure. Goodbye, Ohio. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at buckeyefirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to joinbfa.org. Use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off your membership. That's joinbfa.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.